3: Get another week moving along here on the program in the lime green shirt and of course the uh, regular trademark fedora hanging out on the top of the head here kelly mcdonald and i want to at first make a little announcement here on the program particularly to our ami audio listeners um guys this is for you and anyone listening in on streaming this is our last week simulcast at the same time uh 2 p.m eastern time For you folks starting next Monday, you can listen to the show in its entirety at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And then after that, the uh, repeat times will all be the same, 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, Adjustments being made, so the show on TV will air at 2 p.m. Eastern as regular. On AMI-audio, the show will be on starting at 4 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday, so not losing us. And of course, whatever's convenient to you, wherever you are, Canada or listening and around the world, you can check us out via the podcast. We will remind you of that through the week. But I will tell you today, starting things off as we get our Monday going, the guy sitting in here with me today in place of Miss Amuthan is Brock Richardson, who was here on Friday with Daniel McLaughlin. Thanks to you guys, Brock. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time while we were away. And uh, happy Monday to you.
4: Yeah, uh, happy Monday. I enjoyed the time with uh, Danielle McLaughlin. but It's always nice to uh, do this alongside you or Ramya, depending on whatever happens on any given day. Wasn't necessarily anticipating today, but here we are, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, pal, thanks a lot. Thanks for always being available. Folks, let's uh,
3: take a look at what we've got coming up on the program today. We speak with Lawrence Gunther today to find out what's going on on Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther, heard on AMI-audio.
4: How can Be My Eyes help with orientation and mobility? Mark Rankin joins us to discuss that very fact. We've been talking a lot about that stuff on the
3: program. Excited to hear Mark's angle and what he's got. There's always neat stuff over there. And folks, does an employee have to disclose their substance dependency to their employer? You know who's got that chat for us an hour or two. Danielle McLaughlin. She'll be here for Know Your Rights. Well, Mr. Richardson, I have to say, lots of sports uh, available today, particularly with baseball. Basketball starting up on Wednesday. We'll be having a conversation with Randall Urban on the show tomorrow about that. You are definitely ensconced in your NFL. What am I forgetting? Oh, oh, Pan Am Games
4: and stuff. Yes. There's that, too. There's just tons. But I noticed that CBC is only doing, like, a little bit of coverage here and there. So I guess it's a CBC gem uh, property. But, yeah. Yeah, a lot. Um, So I got to ask baseball. I'll go back to there where we
3: started. Um, Any prediction? Pick either series. Who you've taken?
4: I think tonight we see uh, Philadelphia uh, punch their ticket to the World Series. And I think we also see Houston break that uh situation that's been going on where no home team has won in that series Mm -hmm. uh, between houston and texas which is very very odd i think if you had told me that at the beginning of the the playoff side have said yeah that won't happen but here we are it's happened so yeah those are my two predictions i think we're gonna have uh, two world series teams uh ready to go after tonight is over
3: well, it's going to be very interesting. Excited to see this because there have been some good series. Philadelphia fans, fedoras off to those guys. We're really bringing it to the table. Uh, let's see what else we've got here for you. Folks, I, I don't like this. This is a very upsetting situation. Kind of want you to put yourself in the place of this lady. A woman returned from vacation to find her Atlanta home was mistakenly torn down by a demolition crew.
1: Whoa. Susan
5: Hodgson says she's left with nothing but a big old mess after finding a pile of rubble where her longtime family property once was. She says a neighbor called her while she was away and asked if someone had been hired to tear down the vacant house. Hodgson said no. When the neighbor confronted them, the workers got nasty and told her to shut up and mind her own business. Hodgson said a family member went over and asked to see a permit. That's when the worker admitted he was at the wrong address. She says while the home was vacant, the property was well-maintained. She's now attempting to get the situation resolved with the demolition company responsible. You call it, we haul it. Except they left the demolished home. I'm Julie Walker.
3: Okay. All right, let's be honest. You've just got this house. You love this house. Richardson, what would you say? What would you
4: do? Kelly, I, don't, I, I heard this clip earlier. And I don't know what I would say. I don't know if there is words. I don't like. I, I'm just dumbfounded. Like I cannot believe that actually happened to somebody. And it's good of them to say we're going to rectify it, but the woman's left with no house and you, yeah, you or whatever away, was like, in it. Just, How just Like well,
3: ew, what? when yeah. you're confronted like the, this woman, but well, this construction team was was confronted by the neighbors i guess there is the owner of the company of the employees of it what do you do like you realize oh (laughs) wrong permit do you continue to tear down Uh, i I mean i'm not sure what state it was left in but you talk about real stopping i I wouldn't want to be in either shoe realize i showed up at the wrong address the permit whether i made the mistake whether the permit was wrong like, what do you do? And then, of course, you come home and say, hey, what about all my valuables? What about all my precious heirlooms and stuff like that? Or or stuff that you just
4: can't get back? Wow. And how do you prove what you had? Like, I mean, I could say that, you know, I had millions of dollars worth of stuff, but how do you prove that with a totally demolished house? Like, yeah. so what, crazy. What, it's incredibly
3: wild to even think of it. Think of it happening. But it does, we know this, we've I want to say chuckled, even though it is far from funny at this kind of thing before, but my gosh, heart goes out to this individual and uh, hopefully the demolition company will do as good as it can in her property and be nicer by the time it's all through. Coming up, folks, on our program as we're getting the Monday edition started, ChatGPT released a hands-free option for mobile users. What is this feature? Michael Babcock, he'll tell us all about it during
2: his tech talk with us in just a moment. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back.
3: Brock Richardson hanging out with me today on the program, and I ask that you folks keep your cameras ready this week. Why? I'll fill you in a little later on in the show, but I'm pretty sure a few of you have a little tinkling in your mind of What could he mean? What do you want me to do with my camera over this next week? Well, we'll talk about that at the beginning of hour two, okay, folks? We'll fill you in real quick on that and ask for your help and support and hopefully a lot of fun. As we settle in to get the week going here on the program, Michael Babcock joins us every Monday to talk all things tech.
6: app news, device reviews, security advice, and more. It's time to talk tech with me, Michael Babcock. Get your dose of ever-changing technology knowledge right here on Kelly and Romeo. Mike, nice to have you back
3: with us, man. Always a pleasure and always (laughs) so much to get into. And you know... On this show, uh, my regular co-host is absolutely obsessed with ChatGPT in one way or another, whether it's getting pictures described or, hey, we can create this script for that or doing this and that. She makes uh, no bones about that on the program. Today, you're going to talk to us about an option for the mobile users out there that ChatGPT has released, this particular option. Uh, What is the feature in hand?
6: Yeah, uh, so we'll get to that in a quick moment, Kelly, but I have to mention something that I forgot about, and I think you and Brock will find this funny. So I was thinking, what do I need to talk about when we come on and, you know, looking at these notes, and Megan came on on the break and told me, nice haircut, Michael, Appreci- or, uh, ah. looks a lot different than last year. So visually, I have uh, a lot less hair, and I'm curious, Kelly or Brock, have either of you gotten a haircut and then forgotten that you got a haircut until someone said something?
3: Richardson I'll let you go first with that one because that seems more like a Brock Richardson thing.
4: 100% Mike because I'll tell you (laughs) Megan did a similar thing to me when I came in on Friday and I thought oh yeah and then I was telling her about my already leaving receding hairline anyways so (laughs) I just forget about the hair out there to begin with because it's already leaving anyways so yeah I don't know it's easy to forget.
3: Yeah, the only thing I get, Michael, is usually a different angle look or whatever to my bald head because it's so short. I always keep it that way anyway (laughs) because I don't want, oh my, I I get the opposite. I I forget how funny it can look when it tries to grow
6: in and is picky and choosy as to where it's going to grow. Well, with ChatGPT that recently came out with some of these changes, it can now hear, see, and speak, uh, which alludes to the, the fact that the chatbot now can actually ob- observe images and verbally speak to you and you also have the ability to talk to the GPT application itself. Uh, so maybe if you got a haircut or you're on a live segment, you can open ChatGPT, take a picture, type in there and ask, "Hey." Is there something I should let people know about? I mean, it has to know about your hair before then. Uh, that was my my uh, lame attempt at trying to loop back to the haircut and keep things in line. Uh, so GPT also had a uh, the ability to start talking to it, and I seen this and read about it a couple of months ago. Uh, I want to say like a month and a half ago. And I honestly thought nothing of it because there's been a dictate button above the keyboard where the send button is for iPhone users, you're already used to this layout. And I just assumed that talking to it meant, you know, dictating a message and sending it. Uh, My friend Jeff, who people have heard on some podcasts I'm related to, had called me the other day and he said, have you played with this hands-free feature? I said, nope, not yet. Why? What's going on? And he said, give it a try. It is only available for plus or enterprise customers. So I had to go give chat GPT 20 US a month. Uh, To get access to this, he said, but it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts about it. So if you go to the settings in the chat GPT application, and you go to new features, you can adopt voice conversations, and this will give you the ability to speak to chat GPT without using a wake word, which I think is important right there, and then ChatGPT will speak back to you, and how this works is you open a new chat message, it does not work with the search with Bing or with the image search feature of ChatGPT, and it uses the GPT version 4, which means it's going to be more creative and give you more detailed responses, but when you open a new chat on the ChatGPT app, specifically on iOS, I've not tried it on Android, though I do believe it works it on the top of the screen towards the right side it's not the very far right button but the second button in from the right um is a button that you use to start voice chat when you double tap on this or single tap if not using voiceover then this opens a i call it a virtual phone call and what that means is the phone is always listening at that point, and you can just ask questions, and when you're done, the phone will speak back to you in a natural-sounding text-to-speech voice. If you listen carefully, there is a very subtle tone that plays before the microphone opens so you can start talking. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, because, you know, we all can be a little mean, you cannot interrupt the phone while it's talking to you. So you do have to listen to the whole response. Uh, but it works just like a phone call and you don't have to uh, worry about using a wake word to trigger the voice activation.
3: Wow. Wow. I I, I kind of like the idea that you could sit there because you're going to get your ideas on the fly. I mean, it'd be nice if you if you wanted to interrupt it because, you know, that's the way we get with everything. Um, whether it's the A-Lady or or Google. Um, But I I think that's pretty good when it comes to,
6: do you get a record of any kind, any transcription? So it does appear to make the transcript. And if you have a GPT-4, uh, I'm sorry, GPT-plus account, so the paid account with ChatGPT or OpenAI, uh, you can actually go back and look at your previous conversations. So where I found this to be helpful is I was treating it like a virtual assistant and just telling it some things I needed to get done and uh, telling it some of the emails that I needed to write and asking it to to help me draft those emails. And then when I was on my computer, I logged into chat.openai.com, chose the conversation that was related to the one that I was having and all the transcripts and more importantly, its responses were right there and I could copy and paste and
4: use those from the GPT conversation. So I think the uh, one of the big questions for those of us that, you know, use the, these types of things when we deal with voices is: do we like it? Do we not? What do we think? So, what do you think of
6: the voices in this instance? I think the voices are eerily clear, um, and and they did put on one of the news articles that I read about this feature that they've worked with voice actors to create these automated voices. There are five different voices available, and if, if I had one complaint about them, they do talk very slowly, or maybe that's normal speed. I'm just used, used to listening to podcasts quickly. Um, so they, they talk at a normal speed, and they also breathe. So uh, you may find that huh. to be eerie as well, but they take breaths at what is most of the time appropriate times to
4: breathe. Right. Yep. And, and you can, and like, audibly we, hear the breath? Like, that's... Yes, like... Wow.
3: Yep. And I yep. think you need that, right? Because you do. of how natural we want things to seem. The speed thing, I think that's you've nailed it. We were discussing the way you went with description, how description's going to be. If you ask a question, it's telling you what something is, it's going to describe. And, and they're working very much with writers or actors to get it the way that is most familiar by the sounds of it, whatever it regurgitates back to you, um, what we're used to hearing. So... How have you
6: found the experience to be? Anything else to add to this? It's been pretty pleasant. It does lie to me. It tells me that if I tell it, hey, remind me to call Kelly in 20 minutes, it'll say, okay, I'll remind you in 20 minutes, but it doesn't actually interrupt you and remind you. However, if an hour down the road comes up and I say, hey, was oh. I supposed to call someone It said, yeah, you should have called Kelly 20 minutes ago or or whatever. Bad so, you. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, put the blame back on me. That's right. Come on. What do you
3: think? I have to do everything? Right. <laughs>
4: You have also learned that you can upload images to chat GPT. What's that like?
6: Similarly, this is also a pleasant experience. You need to either pick, ex- pick images on your device, or it will let you take a picture right there. Um, it doesn't have as streamlined of a uploading images um, ability that it could. I'm, I'm looking forward to potential shortcuts with the GPT application. But the other thing that you can do with it is you can send up to four images at once, and it will describe each of these images, and then you can ask questions of the images. So, for example, uh, you can say how much is the chicken uh, in the recipe or what are the chicken options on this menu and get those details provided to you as quickly as possible. So then what is a prompt? A prompt tells GPT what to do. For example, you can set a prompt as your built-in prompt under the chat GPT menu and then settings. You can go in there and choose a prompt and I told it I'm a podcaster and I contribute content on Kelly and Romeo. Uh, I did tell it that I was blind. So if it ever received images, it would be helpful if it described those images to me in a clear and concise manner. And I also gave it some details about my email address, my websites and other content. And then the content that I Ask or the questions that I ask it for, uh, it gives me the details with that emphasis. So also I asked, it, how do I, how do I send you a lot of content? And it said, because you create a lot of podcasts about automation, you may be familiar with, and then gave me the name of a couple of tools, which means it didn't have to break down and tell me that these tools existed to automate breaking uh content into shorter chunks, it was able to bypass that and just give me the personalized information I wanted. And then also you can send a prompt with your message. So I tell people if you open a new chat, and let's say you have some show notes, and you're going to need three social media posts, and you um, want these social media posts to be engaging, but humorous, you can tell Chat GPT, I'm going to send you a summary of a podcast episode. Use this summary to create me three social media posts that are engaging, but humorous. Um, wow. And then you send after that the prompts that you have. And I just discovered today, and I should have known this, but at the end, what you can do to simplify the process, is you can say, if you understand me... Uh, you can, I got a, a dog barking in the background because we have FedEx just pulling in, but you can tell ChatGPT, uh, put three at symbols and, or respond with three at symbols if you understand the commands that I gave you. And then it replies to three at symbols and then you can go on and prompt it more with the information that you need. So I need three LinkedIn posts or I need three different Facebook posts that are more serious. Uh, prompting is all about what do you want to get out of the system by giving it the
4: information you have, can you give me a quick synopsis on Be My AI and tell me what that's all about quickly? Yeah, Be My AI is inside the
6: Be My Eyes application. It allows you to tap on the button, and then the first thing it does is brings up an opportunity for you to take a picture. You can then uh, get a description of that picture and ask questions also of that picture. And one thing I learned about this is it can. Uh, The camera picks up a little bit more than you might think. So I've got details about my messy desk when I was trying to take something, a picture of something (laughs) behind my desk.
3: Wow. Uh, Anything particular about the experience and how it currently works, maybe compared to what before it was like?
6: Yeah, so now it's just really simple. You just go in, take your image uh, automatically without having to tap on uh, any other buttons. And then you can also go into your camera roll. So if you're like, what is this picture? You can go into that picture, choose the share button, and then share with Be My AI. And then you'll get information about those pictures right away. Awesome. Okay.
3: Yep, that's really amazing. Um, Right now, would you say that Comparing images to uploading to to Bing, uh, how do you
6: feel on the quality of that experience? I think I get better results from Be My AI. It goes back to the prompt because I think Be My AI's prompt was crafted to be able to give me as much detail as I need. However, one thing that I don't know if people realize, and I learned this while doing some website work over the last week, uh, remember, we have access to get images described to us. So if you're curious what a web page looks like visually, take a screenshot of that and you can send that into Bing and ask it to describe it to you. So it really comes down to your use case scenario and how you want to be able to use these tools that are available to us. As usual. Wonderful stuff, sir. Thank you. No worries. Have a great rest of your show. And thanks for uh, having fun. me. Enjoy your haircuts. <laughs> hey, good, good, nice haircut, man. Hey, now, Michael, try, since you got the haircut,
3: get a job, will you? <laughs> Join us next week for a Tech Talk with Michael Babcock uh, on the program. Coming up next, let's get the headlines with producer Grant Hardy. We'll talk to him right
2: after this. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Romney return with more in a moment.
3: So a little bit of time it takes to settle in to the program. You know, maybe a segment, maybe two. But now you're there, right? And Brock and I appreciate it as we are here today. He's at the studio in Kitchener i'm at the home studio here in london ontario and folks we're glad brock and i that you're here with us
4: yes and kelly we always learn a whole bunch of stuff and we talk about that on the program and i love that that we can learn so much but one of my favorite segments is when we bring on either grant hardy or or bill shackleton and they bring articles and we never really know where they're going to go and we get to do that today with producer grant hardy let's bring him on for headlines
7: Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Grant, happy Monday. How are you? happy monday i am you know what it's monday uh just kind of hanging in there but i'm actually doing a lot better now that you said that very nice comment that this is one of your favorite segments and i'm kind of debating should i just take my compliment or should i make him choose like as number one i'm just gonna take my compliment Uh, third you should probably pay him i was gonna say you should (laughs)
3: just pay him now that he said it
7: (laughs) yeah i'm I'm just gonna stop while i'm still ahead
4: Put it to you this way, Grant. The one that we're doing is always my favorite. And look at that. We're talking to you right now. Talk well, about
3: being supportive. Yes, yes, exactly.
7: There you go. Well, great to be with both of you. i uh, just going to quickly go over something I found uh, about the early warning signs of dementia before we get into everyone's favorite or least favorite topic, AI, if we get there. Um <laughs> Yeah, so this is kind of a, an interesting one because uh, they actually say, as per the the Star, the Toronto Star, that um, if you are able to catch dementia early, there's actually stuff you can do to make sure that you, well, not make sure, but improve your chances of actually living several more normal decades. Uh, and they say dementia usually starts when you're a uh, senior, although there is early onset dementia and while most of us think of it as like uh, you know uh memory loss uh especially uh, short-term events that have just happened there are some interesting warning signs that we ignore one of the most interesting ones is a change in personality or socialization so they say that um people for example who are very you know proper uh you know really know their their etiquette might often start to swear curse a little more i'll definitely have to keep that in mind if i'm still in broadcasting careful (laughs) that um but they also say people who (laughs) used to enjoy uh Uh, socializing with their friends going to church coffee whatever they often will stop doing that they'll kind of withdraw socially they said there are a number of reasons for this uh, and it's typically when people start to notice problems with their cognition they might just feel embarrassed uh and not want to kind of uh, they're too anxious to kind of Admit it to other people, but also it can create sort of a suspicion where, for example, you think that your friends, your caregivers, your loved ones are, let's say, stealing money from you or, you know, stealing other things from you. And so you might actually lose your trust in people as well as um, just uh, develop a a hoarding behavior as well, which kind of goes Mm -hmm. with those insecurities. So hoarding is another interesting sign.
4: I I think too. The thing that happens when you have, say, a couple of people where one person might be exhibiting signs and the other one not so much, what you might find is that the person that's not exhibiting the signs may be very protective and almost sort of shield the family away from, like, seeing it really badly. Like, I know that when I had my uh, grandparent uh, have dementia... It, we we found out far too late in the game when it was far too gone and mm-hmm, you know my my grandparent couldn't really do much more but but you're right in the sense that there's not you, you don't really pick up those small signs because they you think well you know so and so would tell me if there's a problem well no that's not exactly true because they may not want to see their life change and that you might take their significant other, bring them to a home and get the care they need, whatever. So there's a lot of reasons, Grant, why you would say, mm, I think I'm going to hide this a little bit more, especially if it's your own loved one and you're the one seeing it, but you're hiding it from your family. For
7: sure. Yeah. And if, if I may, I think that, uh, for example, uh, people with certain uh, physical disabilities, I, I believe often people even with vision loss not, not because of a problem with a lack of cognition but just a problem where we maybe don't see as much as other people have seen so there might be sort of some concepts that are a little maybe underdeveloped but uh, apparently a lot of people will do a really good job at hiding that instead of kind of admitting that maybe we don't understand something as well as as somebody who can uh, see it I've definitely you know done that in the past so i think there is and you
3: said in the past too because you think when you're in school right and they're trying to explain a concept maybe something up on the board and they're talking about it and you're sitting there wanting knowing i can follow this but i'm not sure it could be a or b here what i'm imagining in my head in that moment of i don't want to ask because it seems so straightforward i'm embarrassed
7: yeah you're like yeah yeah i'm i'm Pretty sure that makes sense like i don't yeah i, got, I don't think i'd be I missing anything
3: <laughs> no it's yeah. it's hard and it's mm-hmm. hard for anyone let alone and i it's something that sticks with us all through life um and i think that's where people have to sometimes realize something's going on too but we're so used to oh i'm just for i must have missed something i just don't quite get it
7: Hmm. yeah absolutely okay um and they they say another challenge is just mobility for example feeling a little for confused. Sure when you when you turn you're facing a different direction uh but definitely emphasize like talk to the doctor be empathetic be patient with people but try and get them to a doctor because you can really improve their uh, lives if you catch it early um folks uh, (laughs) this show is kind of being taken over by ai today um i I don't want to put famous yesterday the other day oh yeah sorry yeah Mm, yeah um, I don't want to put either of you on the spot. I, I wonder if maybe there's some skepticism about AI with with you, Kelly. I'm not 100% sure. Or just you're maybe less gung-ho than some other people? Um, or is, is that- I
3: haven't really played a lot with it, Grant, yeah. but I fully understand. I, I follow. Um, it is the way to be. I I just yeah. have... I just haven't really sat down. I think, Grant, because mm-hmm. I've expected this for so long. All right? mm-hmm. I've been aware and everything like that. There are certain elements of it I think are really cool, the discussions of jobs and things like that. But it's the teaching. It's everything else that still requires us and seeing it in, in its infancy. So uh, definitely, um, I've believed for a very long time, this is coming, this is the way the world's going to be. But I still get shocked or some of the uses people are finding and some of them are great some of them are a bit scary
7: yeah absolutely um so there's a study here uh where uh, because doctors are talking about using this to summarize medical notes sift right. through data etc and apparently there's a study where they they uh stress test all the a- ais and uh they found that um They responded to the researchers questions with a range of misconceptions and falsehoods about black patients, sometimes including fabricated race based uh, equations or just flat out uh, debunked um, claims. So, for example, uh, related to uh, kidney function, lung capacity and skin thickness related to certain medical questions in some cases, reinforcing long-held false beliefs about so-called biological differences between Black and white people that experts have spent years trying to eradicate, debunk, that can often lead to, for example, taking the pain levels in Black patients less seriously, or uh, leading to incorrect or Uh, kind of missed diagnosis or treatment. This is kind of an interesting one for me, because I think the big reason I'm a little skeptical about AI, and the big thing that I think people forget, is that AI, as I understand it, someone explained it to me, AI actually has no idea what any of the words it's using actually mean in the same way that we do. It knows what words sort of fit together well and sound good well based on all this text that it's trained on like you know good nice beautiful like those all sound great together but it actually has no idea what it's saying Um, Mm -hmm. so this is a good example of where you can really kind of trip up those models because it's just been trained on anything and everything
3: well and when you talk about utilizing it maybe for health like for research for finding certain things out because one of the terms people love to use is well generally but that can also mislead us so much because generally has been the term we've used ever since we're human beings especially when generally our information was Mm -hmm. is outdated and it was outdated Mm -hmm. in the 1600s 1700s everything gets updated and Unfortunately, too, one of the areas I'm skeptical, if you want to go back to what, what you'd asked me, Grant, is it machine learns from us, it learns on its own, but if it learns my biases, <laughs> that doesn't really mm-hmm. help you across the world asking a question about something that it happens to pick up some of my writings or my views or, or knowledge that I've inputted that it comes across and utilize. And I think that that's what we're having happen. But we get that as human beings... With YouTube, with anything where we have to start saying, "Hey, you can't put false stuff out there. You can't do." And I think that that's what AI will have to catch up with. I see this as as we teach it, as we give it the tools. This go when asked about this, go to this resource, go to this kind. Look for the most utilized resources, the most accurate. Are well, this is all being fed into AI, so it can, I'm assuming, go to where the most Likely gathering of information, putting it together. The most common use of it, but it's still going to find things. If I write in there that, yeah, you know what, um, I'm a heavy set guy, and it's all from eating fried chicken, and it happens to get a hold of that and say, you know, then you know, uh, you know, uh, a person, a dark person, eating you know for southern fried chicken all the time, and he's heavy. So therefore, you know, it, it which for some people. Maybe health issues are brought in because their diet's high in it. So I I think this is going to be, I won't say one of the things to rectify, because unfortunately, as long as AI is learning from human beings, uh, there's going to be biases and, and misinformation. But I think that we'll be able to isolate, say, this is where these problems happen. I'm anxious to see the fix for it.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where essentially they've gone through, they've gone through the, you know, kind of the most offensive sort of slurs that right. come up. They're like, okay, we're going to filter these out, you know, no problem. But it's those more, I mean, as someone who's a larger person myself right now, uh, it is not at all hard to get it to say very offensive things about, you know, larger people or Disabled people just by sort of,
3: you know, well, you wonder those... about those stereotypes for disabled people or blind people. You know, if you you know how much it you know AI has information that we
4: all wear dark sunglasses.
7: Yeah, exactly. Um. So yeah. yeah,
4: yeah, and I just don't want to get to a point where if I if I ask my doctor to simply write me a note, and the doctor hands it to me, I want to don't want to get to a point where I question is this ai or is this your general feeling on oh, whatever the note is that yeah. i'm asking you know that that's kind of what scares me a little bit to be honest with you so yeah yeah
7: yeah I, I to- again if just sort of to wrap up here i it's it's one of those things where like we're literally trusting something that has no idea what the words it's using actually mean in the same way that we understand language so don't
4: want to be after it's insulted it's
3: you right yes
7: yes <laughs>
4: And on that note, we should just leave it there, because the way you put it, (laughs) albeit really well, it is kind of scary at the same time. They'll talk to you again on Wednesday when you come for another edition of Headlines. Grant, thanks so much. All right. I'll try and make it non-AI this time. Thanks so much, guys. That was Grant Hardy, and as I mentioned, he'll be back on Wednesday for more Headlines. I don't need AI's help to, you know, say something (laughs) that
3: might insult somebody. Good heavens. Uh, Folks, we'll step aside for a couple of moments here. When we return, we're going to speak with Lawrence Gunther to find out what's going on on Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther right after this break.
2: Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
3: Whenever you settle back in to listen to the podcast or the show, you can do it in segment form or the complete Kelly and Rumya podcast as well. With that complete show, you can check out the audio vanity card left by one of the members of the team. Also recall repeats of the program at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv and on AMI-audio and on AMI-tv overnight at uh, 1 a.m. and on AMI-audio at 6 a.m. Check out the show anyway that uh, it works best for you. At his home studio in Kitchener, Ontario. Guy handling sports. You can catch him on now with Dave Brown every day Monday to Friday and on our show doing a sports wrap-up of the week uh, on uh, in our top of our second hour on our Friday program. That's Brock Richardson over there. Kelly McDonald here. And it's Always fun when we get an opportunity to check out what's going on at AMI. There's often things that maybe you haven't discovered yet, maybe something new. And we try to keep you posted on any of the new content folks are going to start wheeling out for us at any time, programs and initiatives here uh, at AMI. Today we're joined by Lawrence Gunther, host of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. Pal, it's been a while since we've had you on the show. Welcome back.
0: Happy to be back, my friend.
3: You've been uh, keeping very busy, I see, as usual. As I hear, as I check you out on on AMI audio and other projects, but we'll we'll get into that in just a moment. Let's start first with outdoors. Tell us a little bit about outdoors with Lawrence Gunther.
0: It's a it's a twenty six minute uh, show and uh, airs every Sunday at two thirty and th- uh, Saturday two thirty, and then every eight hours kind of thing we're really about getting off grid right getting off the sidewalk getting into the outdoors and exploring nature as people with low vision blind deaf blind you know really understanding how that works so we're about the environment, we're about learning about outdoors, traditional knowledge, science, uh, local knowledge, and, uh, and from each other, right? There's so many people out there rocking it, uh, Kelly, you know, who are doing amazing things. We're giving them a voice as well. So we always have a little interview segment where we talk to someone who's just doing amazing things, someone with uh, low vision blindness or someone who's working in that community, doing things in the outdoors to, to make sure it's fully accessible. So mm, lots going on for sure. For sure
3: now here's the curiosity to, well it's kind of a twofold how old's the show now eight years is that what you guys are
0: no we just started our fourth season so this was a covid oh, project right so we, right, um, right. we started this in august uh 2020 and with my 14 year old daughter at the time she's a co-host on the first segment every time oh, she uh oh. did you know and she presents some interesting facts about nature and and sort of, you know, teaches her old dad some new tricks. And uh, and it doesn't always go smoothly, let me tell you. Yeah,
3: but you've been a familiar voice to the network for that time because you had the program before and, and, and with yeah. fishing and everything like that. So I, I yeah. guess kind of I should quantify what I mean, because what I really want to know Is in this time that you've worked with the network, in this time you've brought something such as fishing, all these things that you and I know, members of our low vision blind community, other disabled people do, you know, we, we understand all that. But you must see, especially when gathering guests to have on outdoors now, it's no longer that, as we talk about with a lot of our programming, that surprising, shocking thing now. Now it's the business of... Corraling and finding all those other people out there and thank goodness for the different means to do so you hmm. must find programming your show producing it uh such a joy because like yourself others enjoy things the same and are showing you experiences and 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 you're always absorbing that 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 are pretty tremendous and what a resource to find them and i'm sure to some degree it's easier now
0: it- it is and it isn't you know Kelly there's still people out there who just want to be left alone and do their thing right and uh, right, not right. call attention to themselves it's like it's like people who have a great fishing hole you know they don't want to tell yeah their they're not spot. they don't want to tell you is. how they caught them they they'll say oh yeah fishing's good it's fine but that's as much as you're going to get out of them stay away
3: from Where's over Brian? there it's terrible Lawrence the fishing is bad <laughs> well why are you headed that way oh I just want you know, to tell the guy that I saw go that way a while ago not to go there yeah I hear you uh,
0: yeah yeah but I always say You know, take a blind person fishing, they'll never give away your spots. You know, where'd you catch that? Oh, out (laughs) there. (laughs) (laughs) Right <laughs> <laughs> but you know i've been talking to blind people who hunt right and it's legal in canada to hunt without sight there's technologies out there that allow you to hunt you know you of course you're not just going out there and shooting that sound kelly that's a big problem for everyone who hunts that's everyone. why the number one rule of thumb for people who hunt is you don't shoot at sound or the movement in the bush and then go look what you just shot at later you have to positively identify what you're shooting at and then pull the trigger so that means for a, a blind low vision hunter they have a sighted person with them they're using technology low tech or high tech to help aim their firearm or crossbow or whatever it is muzzle loader and they're out there with their friends hunting
3: yeah wow brock the- you want to go for a ride in the woods
4: uh no
6: not it's hunting season
4: <laughs> no no i think i will pass i love you know playing video games like that where you can do that but i'll stay inside my house and
0: I'll just be okay <laughs> with know, that it, it, yeah it's not the time of year to go walking in the bush with your uh, dog unless you're going to both dress up in major orange
4: yeah Lawrence, I'm going to ask you a two-folded question here. I want you to delve into some of the topics that you you talk about, but also I want to know, is there a specific topic where you say, man, when we get to talk about X as it relates to outdoors, I love it?
0: Yeah, I think it's just when people start talking about how they do it, right? So, you know, we have 26 minutes, we have a few segments, we have a tips and technology segment, we have a reflection segment, we do the segment with Lily, you know, on something new, and we get an interview in there. So for the interview, we have maybe 16 minutes. I don't want to hear eight or ten or fifteen minutes of just how I went blind, right? And I tell right. tell my guests that at the beginning, you know, it's not, you know, we're all blind here, low vision, and I have disabilities. So how you got there is not that important. We talked what are you doing and how do you do it? And if they start rattling on about that anyways, I just know well, I'll delete it later anyways, right? Because I, yeah, exactly. I have to <laughs> down. But then when they start, you know, getting into the nuts and bolts of how do you do this? Like then it, you know, I get interested. I my ears prick up and and you know I'm, I'm really curious and i think that's what our listeners want is no one wants to have to reinvent the wheel all the time when we're doing this stuff and you google this you know how do you do this as a blind person and there's very little information on that out there in terms of like blind hunting good luck to you finding anything people don't want to talk about that because you know it's just going to bring a negative attention to themselves the anti-hunting number one and number two you know people think you're out there you're out there in the bush with a gun and you can't see that's dangerous, yeah, so is driving a boat, but we can drive boats too, but you know you have to you have to show judgment, you have to be responsible, and you have to have insurance. No one's going to insure you as a boat owner to drive your boat around blind, right? That's for sure not going to happen. so you know what's reasonable in terms of technology, what's unreasonable if anyone's being foolish, they don't get on the show either, right. Right.
3: And, and I'm sure weeding through, that's part of the process. Does it happen fairly often where you say, no, as you do your pre-interview or you start researching the, the guest that you would like to have on on the topic? Have you had to kind yeah, of say, uh, hard pass?
0: Yeah. When Well, when people start talking about, you know, future wear and things they want to do or just start, you know, shooting the crap it's it's not going to happen you know i we don't have time for that you, you have to fact check right you really have to fact check and and thank god you know again edit button hello but um <laughs> you know there's you know I, i'm not i may sound like a bit of a hard hard person when it comes to this and and um you know there's someone we're going to have on the show she she has survived gun shootings um holdups you know she, uh fires and um she has a lot of ptsd and and uh, she's on permanent disability but you know what she discovered a kayak and then she discovered fishing and she is just doing great now you know just being outside on the water you know you can see 360 degrees around her she's got no fear of anyone sneaking up on her or getting caught up in something and uh, and then to be fishing at the same time and, and just focusing on that it's made a world of difference in her life. So, you know, I'm, we're, we're looking at all that one health connection to nature, right? Like how can nature make you feel better? And then in exchange, what can you do for nature? You know, and a lot of that is just giving voice, right? You know, nature is silent and we are storytellers. That's our strength. So maybe we should all be thinking about how do we tell the story about nature? You know, what's happening out there and, and, and how can we, as people do a better job at, at, at uh, making it sustainable.
4: Well, for me, I'm curious when you look at all this and you go through, you know, four seasons, what do you hope that people take away from Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther? And I know that's always the cliche question, but I genuinely am curious. What do you hope people take away from it?
0: We have so much technology that keeps us in place, right? There's tons of stuff. I mean, it used to be talking books was the uh, big uh, babysitter. And, you know, I always thought talking books was like a narcotic. It was developed to keep us quiet and, you know, and and distracted and not pushing for equality, not pushing for jobs and integration because we had our talking books. You know, now we have even way more technology, but it's helping us get jobs. It's helping us communicate. It's helping us do research, becoming smart people, sharing, you know, telling our stories, telling other stories, being contributing to society. But it's also making us very sedentary, right? You know, it, it's, you know, sm- sitting at a desk now is the new smoking, right? It's not healthy. Um, it's not healthy to be sitting so many hours a day. So, you know, there's fitness, yeah, but there's also getting outside and uh, there's so much research on on the benefits of being outside mentally, physically. So we're hoping that we can inspire and inform other people to take a chance, step off the sidewalk, get on a path and and just get outside and, uh, and, and feel the benefits of that.
3: So um, when you produce the show... What are some of the key ingredients? We know what segments kind of have, Lawrence, but I'm talking the sound because with nature, with outdoors, comes some wonderful sound and, and description of it in those stories uh, and things that you can bring to the show. Um, tell people a little bit about it, how much of that do you try? And it's hard. I'm not suggesting in the middle oh, of yeah. a, an interview you're going to roll out some bird sounds well, or whatever, but fill us yeah. in.
0: Well, no, we, we, we work with the uh, AMI technicians to put the stuff together. I record the segments and then the intros and outros, you know, and, and the background sounds, we always have input on that. And, and it gives us that sort of outdoor feel but Mm -hmm. kelly i mean there's nothing more than i like it than bringing my victor stream with me right i think that's one of the greatest little portable recording devices you could have it's so accessible and it's so compact and it does such a great job picking up ambient sound and interviews at the same time but you know i've taken that on uh fishing hunting dirt biking atv and motorcycling you know downhill skiing whitewater rafting i bring it everywhere with me and I love, you know, my family hates it because I'm carrying this thing around. They go, Dad, can't we just go on vacation without you making a podcast out of it? <laughs> and then that's
3: the beauty, right? Because it's at those moments. It's those rich moments of stuff happening. Yeah.
0: Lawrence, tell people again when to tune in and get maybe tease a couple of the upcoming shows. Okay, so Sunday at 2.30 is when we drop every second Sunday, and uh, then it goes into rotation on AMI, uh, I think, at 2.30, and then eight hours later and eight hours after that. So it's over the weekends and 2.30s. And then you can download as a podcast on Apple or whatever. Just subscribe. Uh, please subscribe and, uh, and, and send us some love, man. You know, send us uh, some feedback, either at feedback at ami.ca or, or even better on, uh, on Apple. You know, give us some rankings, give us some five-star love, because that's the way people find this. I mean, who else there is Googling? You know, I want to learn more about being a, in the outdoors as a blind person. You With Googled a gun. There's not a-, <laughs> <laughs> There's not a ton of crap that comes up, right? It's no, really no. it's really thin. You know, people people are doing it, but they don't think about sharing it that much.
3: pal. It's really great. Like I say, a familiar voice to the network for a number of years, but outdoors with Lawrence Gunther, uh, four years. Congratulations, especially the the evolution and everything that you've had to do to keep this going and and all that hard research and fact-checking. We appreciate your time, pal. Good luck with the show.
0: Kelly, we're going to have you up at the uh, Bluefish Exploration Center, you guys, and it's going to be a fully accessible off-grid uh research station and uh outdoor exploration center so that's gonna we're working on that now we'll hope to get the doors open next summer in 2024 and uh yeah it's gonna be uh this is a dream of mine and it's coming coming together
3: Okay, pal. Well, thank you. Thanks for giving us a tip on that. And good fish. We'll talk to you later. Lawrence Gunther joining us. You can join us on Mondays for AMI Highlights. We've got another hour of the program, Brock and I, with you. Does an employee have to disclose their substance dependency to their employer? Danielle McLaughlin lets us know on Know Your Rights and How Can Be My Eyes help with orientation and mobility. Mark Rankin, he's here. He'll discuss that with us a little later. Up next, however, the Port Stanley Festival Theatre in uh, London, Ontario, just kind of south of the city, has a bunch of country tribute shows coming up. Uh, Community reporter Annette Dennis has a lot more for us.
2: Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
3: Brock Richardson is at the home studio. He's right there in Kitchener, Ontario. Kelly McDonald here at the home studio, London, Ontario. And we want to hear from you. We want to know what you're doing for Halloween. We know parties are coming up, trick-or-treating, going out there, but mostly your costumes. We'd like to start sharing some of that on the program since this is our first year as as a TV show as well. We'd like to be able to do a little description. So if you could help us out, if you drop us a picture... Um, please give us just a little description, maybe just who you are, whatever name you want to use, you're comfortable with, first name, last name, not at all, that's okay, and your your costume, and uh, maybe a couple of highlights of it so that Rumya and I, during the next week on the program, can share that with our audience and give a bit of a description. So you can send that to Kelly and Ramya at AMI.ca, and uh, we'd love it. If you feel comfortable, we'll uh, see you as soon as we start getting a few, start sharing them on the program as we walk towards Halloween. Kelly McDonald here with Brock
4: Richardson. As we do to begin the second hour of the program on Mondays, we get to talk to some community reporters, and today we're going to go to southwestern Ontario and speak with Annette Dennis. Annette, how are you? I'm doing pretty good for a Monday. How are you guys doing? Pretty well. And I have to honestly say that it's like your script, at least topic one was literally designed for one Brock Richardson, because I love country music themed tribute shows. And that's where you're starting with Port Stanley Festival Theatre is doing this. Can you tell me more?
5: Yeah, for sure. So like, I've, I've had on my report before they have um, wonderful um, Canadian um, productions plays during the summer and I this is the first time I've noticed that I don't know how new it is but they're having throughout the whole entire off season. they're having a huge variety of um, talent coming in for basically musical tribute concerts and uh, the first one this Saturday is actually a tribute to um, Garth Brooks and Shania Twain and they have like um tons of country but like uh do you want me just to go through some just highlight I just can't even pick one they're having a Beatles in blue which is a Beatles tribute with a little bit of a blues twist uh three decades of U2 a tribute called Desire uh, a Buddy Holly one a tribute um a big band uh it's called Big Bandemic and it's basically a tribute to um that sort of era with the Stork Club for you know they had the big band music um decades at the Stork Club in port stanley so that's going to be showcased uh the musical of uh, music of chicago Johnny cash and the gentleman that's going to be um portraying the man in black his wife is actually going to be joining him on stage and she's going to be performing the roles of tammy um tammy Wynette and loretta lynn so that's the sort of you might like that if you like uh uh, you know kind of classic country and they're going to have the rolling stones rod stewart next year billy Joel. The Eagles, the Bee Gees, right through I think until you know their their summer season of theater starts. So lots and lots of, and the tickets aren't bad. I think they're forty nine fifty, plus a two dollar fee. So not too bad for a nice evening out. Or some of them are matinees as well. So uh, lots, I of, think, you can see lots lots of variety.
4: I think those are great. Uh, we I saw a tribute to uh, a couple of country bands in my. Uh, in my time. And also I did one with Jackson five. They were at the CNE once. And I love those tribute bands. Like they're always so good. And it's very close to what you would expect. Like I uh, never find in it that it's like, Oh yeah, you could tell that was a tribute. It's pretty close and pretty accurate. So it sounds like a really, really great event and some really eclectic roster of, you know, people and bands that you can go and see. I love it.
5: Yeah, exactly. Something for everybody. A really, really nice, nice variety, for sure.
4: Mm -hmm. And And, and folks
5: can... Sorry,
3: Cal. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I know people have been saying, like the Fleetwood Mac, uh, you know, uh, tribute band has been going around and touring and stuff. And people have really been, I think, grabbing on to some of these, as Brock mentioned, more than the normal. Go ahead. Sorry, Mm -hmm. Annette.
5: No, I was just going to say, just Google Port Stanley Festival Theatre, and you can find everything on their website. And they're very, they're very um, if you call them at 519-782-4353, they're very receptive, to if, you want to, if you prefer to book over the phone.
3: Okay, awesome. Fridays at 12.30, uh, the concert series here, and this is through the Don Wright Faculty of Music. And this is quite a tradition, I've heard about this for years, over at Western University, as you stick with the music theme here
5: yeah exactly so yeah like I, i've heard of this you know over the years and it just came across you know i just found it the other day and i thought well this is kind of nice going oh, into yeah. fall and so it's it basically called the fridays at twelve thirty 30 concert series and it's basically an, an eclectic mix of music featuring um, best artists faculty and students of, of the Don wright faculty of music um, and they run Fridays from September through March. Now, it's not every Saturday. It's, or sorry, most Fridays, not every day. Obviously have time off for different things in school, but um, everything is available on their website. Um, they are free for people to to uh, attend and it's at Von Koster Hall, if I said that right, at the music building. But these concerts also, you can um, access them via live stream. And I actually did that on Friday. I, I halfway through and I just clicked on the website. There's a link that takes you right there so you can enjoy it you know, from the comfort of your own home as well. So yeah, Um, really, really nice, nice way to experience music.
3: And that's the stuff from the pandemic. I love that yeah. because um, your talk is some really great sounds uh, and and so many of us can't go to it. I've heard about it for years, not been able to go to it because it's, as it, mentioned, quite a tradition. Really good piece to remind us of, Annette, because I'll be honest, I've, I I've forgot about it. I think I thought it was Thursdays or Tuesdays, but I think we have somewhere else in the city or used to um, somewhere else. There was performances from one of the music Associate schools, or maybe it was even from uh, Western uh, downtown at that one of the churches. But I, I, you know, I might be remembering that wrong.
5: Yeah, yeah, no, and I think they do. They they do sometimes do concerts outside, but these ones for the most part are, are take you know take place. And they have such a wide variety. You can go out and and just kind of scroll through all the events. Um, it's just something for everybody, whether it's contemporary, um, you know, the classical music that we all know and love. Um, and they and I think they also lot of you know um contemporary artists that are putting new works out so it's a really interesting wide variety of of things for and even a little bit of jazz as well kelly there's one next year um that you might like yeah and it's not because it's at lunch hour you can sit down and if you're doing work you can maybe listen in the background and eat your lunch or whatever yeah
4: oh i love it that's great You got Kelly on
3: jazz right away, man. He'll, he'll be all over that for sure. All of this. And when they sit down at
4: the pipe organ too. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You're a third. Go ahead. Sorry.
5: Go ahead, Rock. Sorry.
4: No, no. Go ahead. If you were going to finish up on topic two.
5: Yeah, sorry, I was just kind of going into topic three. I kind of put them in two different things, but it's like another music. <laughs> They're having I had to highlight this because it's a Halloween concert, and I thought it's fun, it's free. And again, this is taking place Saturday, October 28th from 7:30 to p.m. at the Paul Davenport Theater up at Western University. And this is an in-person event. It's free, first come, first serve. And it's basically just it's the um, uh, presented by the Western University Symphony Orchestra. And it's basically a Halloween-themed concert. Um, some of the highlights are going to be the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone Suite. So Sorcerer's Stone is sweet. That's a mouthful. Uh, Peter and the Wolf and the Dance Macabre. That's how you say it. So kind of something different for folks. It, it won't be live streams, so folks kind of have to go down and enjoy in person. But something different to enjoy, um, you know, in the month of October.
4: Wow. So much great. Symphonies that is really always. Cool symphonies is always impressive though because like you know they all have to be so in sync and so yeah. you know ready to do this and each instrument has its own sound and it all comes together and just sounds really uh really nice and so this sort of Halloween theme is something that I look at and I say oh that's kind of intriguing and I I, I like this because you wouldn't necessarily correlate Halloween and orchestra uh absolutely totally. yeah so, yeah yeah different for sure
5: yeah
3: Big sound, that's for sure. Uh, Annette, let's grab your last one. Dark Horse Holiday Market, and this is in Grand Bend.
5: Yeah, so I came across this, and it's kind of that time of year. I thought people can mark their calend- calendars. This is a bit different. This is um, a market that's taking place at the Dark Horse Holiday Sorry, it's the Dark Horse Holiday Market. And All the it's tongue taking twisters, place- man. Oh, I know. It's a <laughs> day for that. It's taking place the weekend of November 17th, 18th and 19th at the Dark Horse Estate Winery, which is located in Grand Bend, Ontario. So, you know, very close for those. And some of the highlights, they're going to have family photos with the Grinch, alpaca walks in the vineyard. we got to have those alpacas in there. They're going to have live music, holiday cocktails, special holiday cocktails and a special holiday menu at the Danu Cellars, which is their their, um, restaurant. And then, of course, they're going to have a whole bunch of vendors with, with you know, unique um, crafts and, and, and goods that are available if folks want to get a little bit of holiday shopping in.
4: Awesome. You always got to get a little
3: holiday shopping in there.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, probably, it, it's sort know, of
3: like and things have changed a lot in that. I think, you know, I think the churches will tell you that since COVID um, and people really love the feel of the bazaars and things like that. And when you get something like this, it, it's just got a, such a nice feel.
5: Yeah, and it's nice when it's a local, like a, and they they have a call out for local vendors. So if you're an independent business person and, and you have something that you sell and offer that you can apply to be a vendor. So I love that when it's a local, very uh, craft oriented, mm-hmm. um, independent sort of thing. And and it's, the hours are Friday 5 to 9 p.m. Saturday 11 to 5 and Sunday 11 to 4. And people can just search dark horse estate winery if they want more information about the winery itself and what
3: they have. Yeah, it's interesting because when you look at like the the market in Toronto, the Christmas market, and just the feel of them, I know very European kind of feel that so many of these have and where we're kind of getting that idea from, um, it's really nice because people, especially as you say, the crafts, there's so many people creating stuff and not, not enough venues to sell them.
5: Oh, absolutely! And it's hard to believe that, like, um, when you're looking that there's already starting Christmas bazaars are starting, and it's just it's yeah. hard to believe we're there already.
4: <laughs> time sure does fly. Speaking of time flying, Annette, that is all the time we have for today. <laughs> uh, we will talk Excellent to you in segue. a
5: month. Thanks <laughs> See so you next much. Time. Bye. That's
4: an That's Annette Dennis, who comes to us from London, Ontario, and gives a community report once a month.
3: I used to hear so much about that faculty of music, and it just blows my mind when I—I I never even thought of it in the last, you know, couple of years, especially with COVID. So much has changed, but to have that stuff online because it's free, as people say, oh well, but that won't—that mean people won't come down there to 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 listen in. Uh, people sure will because you can't it's can't be the same you know over a feed no matter how much you know you can do uh, how much you're going to spend it, it's just such a great thing but it's so wonderful that that's an option and i'm sure lots of people signing in to listen so really cool and you can do it anywhere coming up next on the program how can emi it, how can be my eyes really is a tongue twister day folks uh, help with orientation and mobility mark rankin he's here we'll discuss it after this
2: Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner.
3: Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen, as we work through the Monday edition of Kelly and Ramya. Ramya away for the day. Brock Richardson happily sitting in. His uh, second day of duty was here with Danielle McLaughlin on, of course, our Gateway uh, opening week, weekend event on Fridays as they got you started into the weekend. And here he is to begin us here on the program with a, another week. And uh, always fun, Brock. Always great to have you. Um, we have been having these tremendous conversations, I find, about mobility. And, you know, you get thinking, how much stuff can you guys talk about mobility? And there's a lot out there. There's, and and the angles that we have had the pleasure of taking, I think, have been really Enlightening, and you'll walk away with a few things to think about. So let's do this. Let's bring Mark Rankin in, who's going to be discussing orientation and mobility with us.
8: Where am I? Where am I going? And how do I get there? I'm Mark Rankin. As a certified orientation and mobility specialist, I've been helping pedestrians with vision loss answer those questions for decades, with a few detours along the way. Join me on Kelly and Rumya for some travel tips and tall tales from the streets of Toronto.
3: Man, you never know what you're going to get in Toronto on those streets. But I'm sure lots of people will tell us, man, you don't know what you're going to get on my country road just outside of Ambro. You know, you don't know, Kelly, so don't be saying that or counting us out. Mark, welcome back to the show. And as, as I get ready to line you up with this introduction and what we're going to talk about today... I stop and think about the uses that we have. We have talk a lot about AI, about ChatGPT, about the different uses out there, and so many things that are widespread. It's just common every ten minutes on this program, it seems nowadays. We talk about wonderful services such as Ira, um, love Ira, but. Sometimes it's not necessarily the affordable one for some people to be able to use because nowadays we have some options out there. And today we're talking about how Be My Eyes can help with
8: orientation and mobility. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, nice to meet you, Barack, if you're still on. Um, nice to meet you as well. I, I guess what what I want to talk about mostly today is the AI function of, of Be My Eyes, so Be My AI, um, because that's what I've been playing with. Because it's 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 new, um, but I'm gonna kind of go back and talk about it in the context of vision loss and, and orientation, kind of overall. Because um, what I've talked about a lot in, in in our chats is how technology kind of works as a stand-in for some of the sensor information that um, you lack if you don't, you know, if you have a a vision a vision loss of some sort. Um, that's excellent. And I was thinking about, so, uh, you know, at the risk of having people tune out right now, I'm going to quote Emmanuel Kant, 18th century German philosopher. Um, (laughs) This is one of a famous quote of his, the critique of pure reason. He's trying to figure out how conditions under which um, thought and uh, ideas are possible. Uh, And so he's got this quote that the thoughts uh, without content are empty. Intuitions without concepts are blind. So I don't like the use of blind in this case. It's kind of a negative concept uh kind of application of it but essentially what he's saying is in order to make sense of any experience you need to have a concept or concepts relating to the things that you're experiencing and you need to have sensory experience right if you just get sensory experience and you don't have any ideas or concepts to apply to that it's just confusing it's just a massive that's right now you know and this is sort of what we sometimes see especially with people who are congenitally blind is they can have concepts of not maybe as full as people with sight because so much of learning is just by osmosis through observation right so sight really is a shortcut to learning a lot of things if you're experiencing things through your other senses it tends to take longer so they don't have the broad overview that sight does where it can take in a room and connect all those other sensory experiences together right so you look at a room you see that the kettle's whistling you know you you, See that the the hum is from the the, the vent in the corner, or whatever. All that stuff kind of gets sorted by 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 sight. Um, right. Now without that, so there's 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 always shortcuts that we have to come up with in terms of uh, mobility training, and um, it could be a GPS uh, program. And I was you know the one I like is is soundscape because it tends to be less verbose and more customizable than some of the other ones, some of the other GPS aids. Um, And so it provides an experience that's a little bit closer to kind of a natural experience of walking through an environment. Um, So, Go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. Oh, sorry. Um, Yeah, so I was gonna say, you know, there's other things that that have been popular in the past. Um, This is the Moet sensor, it's a little, uh, device kind of looks like a charging block. Um, oh. so both that size got two channels, sort of a far and a, and a close, you press, you, you activate it and it sends out a, a pulse and it comes back, beep, beep, beep. It speeds up if you're getting closer to an obstacle and it, the, 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 intervals between the pulses slow down if you're further away. So okay. very simple to, to use doesn't give you a lot of information, but. If you want to walk around something unexpected, it's quite useful. Um, not Does not give you a full concept of the area you're traveling in, but sometimes that's not what you need when you just want to avoid an obstacle that's unexpected right. in your path. Um, this one, uh, the K-Sonar, is a little more advanced, so it can be clipped to a cane. This is really old technology. This stuff still works. These things are probably 50 years old, uh, and they oh, still wow. work. Um, this one, Give uh, more detailed information about the environment in that the the it, it uses sonar and when it bounces off something, the tone changes depending on the composition of the thing it is bouncing off of. So it gives you the tone changes to indicate your proximity to an obstacle, and the tone changes depending on the composition of the. Now what I mean by that is something hard like a cement wall sounds different than something relatively softer like a drywall wall right or a wood or something yeah and it's very hard to explain it except that like the i guess it's a sharper sound i don't know how i would someone who's used yeah. this and 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 it's actually quite eye opening to go out with someone who uses one of these there's not many people who do cuz it's such old technology um but you can for instance point this around and you can say that sounds like a lamppost and that sounds like a tree um that sounds like a, like a window. That yeah. sounds like maybe a, maybe a wooden door.
3: Wow. Kind of and, and, and when you think of somebody maybe who is a, on a big campus or I don't even want to say like necessarily just Toronto, but I'm thinking of uses because I, I've never had that opportunity to check these out really or use them. And I'm thinking, would I have walked around? you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago with something like this, waving it or whatever. But when you say, oh, that's a lamppost, that's a, and if you're walking somewhere and you're trying to get somewhere and you need to know, okay, there's no noise ahead of me. It's pretty clear. Again, not sure what it does with trees and bushes or, 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 you know, you can't get that lo- like low step or anything. But these things are interesting because I'm, I have to say to you, do you know, if people, when you say walk around people,
8: where are the practical uses for most of these things? Yeah, I think, now they were really, it was, it was, uh, there was a kind of an explosion or a lot of devices that came out that did similar stuff to this and the technology never really advanced. So if you think of something like the buzz clip that people use, um, uh, yep. kind of a more modern That's version, what that so.
3: sonar kind of reminds, or yeah, no, the yeah. block, I kind of, you know, if you put the block on you, maybe I, I, it's closer to that.
8: Yeah. Yeah. So very, very similar technology. Technology hasn't really improved, um, the devices have gotten a little bit smaller um but i think there was one time where the i think these things were viewed as a possible substitution for the sensory information you would get through sight and there was some really advanced functions so there were some people that could even use um so there were ones that were mounted on a on glasses you would get tones in each ear so you could if the tone was louder in one ear you could you could sort of localize where the obstacle was in front of you. People could walk through obstacle courses. Some people could even, by shifting their gaze when they were anticipating a step or a curb, could even hear a difference there and use that. Yeah. So it was a totally different way to relate to the world through an artificial sensory experience um, that only worked if you became so proficient at it that it basically worked like another sense. Right. So you didn't have to think about it or interpret it. No. Otherwise, it just wouldn't have worked, and that's a huge learning curve. Uh, it took a—you have to find someone who was good at instructing it as well. Right. Uh, and I think it was just so such a huge undertaking, uh, and such a such a different way of doing things that it never really took off to the extent that. Um, and money, I guess that, that the inventories hope. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, and yeah, in yeah you know, yeah. there
3: would probably be run right out of money because there wasn't the demand, there wasn't the interest to, to persist. And, of course, the community in question, you know, we, we stick to our canes. We stick to, well, you know, I've got a hand, I've got a cane, that'll tell me as much as I need to know. Um, and without with the money, you can't push the research of use of it further. Is there anything else, Mark, you got of one of those older yeah. devices?
8: Uh, no, and I was going to say, you know, your, oh, okay. your point about canes. I think mean, canes do the same thing, right? They provide us with some sensory information um, that you're not getting. And you have to be pretty proficient with a cane to kind of know that, you know, what kind of textures you're feeling. You, you get a certain echo from a cane tip striking, you know, different different sort of surfaces. Um, so all that stuff kind of provides, I think, like a, a stand-in for sensory information. When I'm trying the AI function, so with be my Be My Eyes, I don't find it's it's as used, so it's not really, it doesn't really to me function well as an orientation and mobility aid, except as an occasional orientation aid. Like you can use it, I've, I've, I, yeah, I've, it'll tell you a lot of information, really too much. So it, I think it's overly verbose. And I think that's chat GPT is like that. It kind of, I always feel like it's a undergraduate trying to follow this. Yeah, out yeah the we, we like have it.
3: had a lot of conversation. <laughs> we had Christine Malik on the show the other day. And this yeah. is one of those things that, you know, her and Ramya have talked a lot extensively out here. Take a picture of a room. Get an idea of the, the, the room. Maybe some of the layout, maybe some of the obstacles, if, 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 you know, if it's a big crowded room or a space. So we can see some of the uses for some of that stuff. We know it can be a little wrong as it, as it gets. But one of the things I've said is it seems to describe like that opening of a chapter in a book, looking at the valley yeah. and describing everything to you in a form that a writer would you know? Yeah. Um, and like you said, a lot of stuff. I remember as a kid, my father would start reading that and say, okay, oh, and skip down you know a, a half a page because there was so much of that. It was too much.
8: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I tried it, you know, at intersections. It will tell you if there's a walk signal up, but I mean, the delay is significant. So I would never rely on it. Um, right. I was using it to try and read um, signage. So a street sign from across the street. But again, It'll give you the street name, but it's like like you said at the beginning chapter of a novel because you're hearing all about the foliage in the background and the light and how it's hitting the sidewalk and all this stuff. Now, I think there is a place for that, though, because I think, you know, when when I was talking about how sometimes, you know, if you don't have a lot of of experience, if you don't have all all the sensory experience that kind of fills in those gaps that maybe a lack of vision can sometimes create... This is a really good analog for what it's like to look around Mm -hmm. it really describes how vision works quite well like it'll tell you what's in the foreground what's in the background um you know i took a picture of we were a few of us at work were taking pictures of pictures to see how it would um represent like a a work of art i took a picture of a really confusing picture that i have hanging over my desk and it you know it, it described it as best as it could um, like sepia tones, a lot of stuff that was quite interesting. Also told me that my desk was messy, a high degree <laughs> of clutter on my desk. Little, yeah. I thought it was a little judgy, but um, <laughs> it was kind of interesting because I thought that's something that if you didn't have the experience of fight, um, this gives you a sense of how many things we process visually. So if I'm just trying to find, you know, walk down the street and, and not get lost, as a sighted person, I'm also filtering out all this stuff, all this stuff that that, that uh, you don't the need. AI function, you know, yeah, you don't need. Yeah, which is right. why sometimes simpler aids work a lot better as an orientation mobility aid because you want the right amount of information at the right time. Yeah, and that yeah. Mar- for wayfinding is much less than what provides there. So we're, we're, if I'm we're using almost out the time. AI, we're almost at time. Oh, yeah, mark, I would say use the, you're the why, person why, why, just, because they can yep. filter for you.
3: But Mark, I have to say, for someone who's been able to see, someone who has low vision, there's where your application, like you said, you wouldn't trust it with a traffic light, like the you know, the signaling and that kind of thing. But to get a concept of what's around you for some people be who have seen before, I think that might be you're hitting the nail right on the head there, where that use for some of your students. To get a concept of, hey, we're down at Roy Thompson Hall, we're going to go inside. This is what's all in front of you, where they can stand there and process that to a point. Again, a lot of superfluous information. But really interesting point and a real interesting other way that we haven't thought about to utilize this.
8: Yeah. yeah. Thanks, pal. We'll, we'll keep on playing with it. Yeah, keep on. We'll, we'll
3: we'll revisit, Mark. Thanks a lot, Mark Rankin. Always bringing us so much to talk about as we have our orientation and mobility segment. We do this uh, uh, the fourth Monday of the month, right here on Kelly and Remya. Coming up next, folks: Does an employee have to disclose their substance dependency to their employer, or is it Nanya? Danielle McLaughlin lets us know <laughs> on Know Your Rights
2: after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute.
3: Man, you know, you sit there and tell Mark we're almost out of time and then you start thinking as you're saying that and you want to finish the thought. Maybe a real good cut for time moment, but I uh, really love that segment with him. Um, lots to think about, lots to unpack from that at some point, too. So it may make its way to cut for time. You never know. But I think there's so many things, as everybody keeps saying, and Grant said it during his segment, about your resistance or your embracing of chat GPT and all these different things we're using AI for And uh, it was a real interesting dilemma that some of the mobility instructors will find themselves with of, hey, can we use this? How are we using this particular uh, method, this tool, uh, for getting around and and mobility? So uh, really interesting. If you missed that, please check it out via the podcast. Kelly McDonald here with Brock Richardson.
4: Speaking of time to unpack, it's time to unpack this week's segment with Danielle McLaughlin. It's time for Know Your Rights.
1: Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights.
4: There are many kinds of disabilities. Unfortunately, not everyone with certain kinds of disabilities know they have rights. This is particularly true with people who are living with substance addiction disorder. Danielle, always a pleasure to have you on board. Pleasure working with you on Friday last week. And we love this conversation as well. Can you start by telling us what you mean by duty to accommodate, if we could start there?
1: Absolutely. And it was a real pleasure working with you Friday as well, Brock. It's uh, one of my favorite things to do. And I think we had a pretty good time. This is an interesting issue because, um, Substance dependency or substance addiction disorder is an issue, you know, in, in many countries. Canada certainly is is one of them. We have human rights um in every province, human rights acts as well as federally, and those acts include for employers a duty to accommodate. When that basically means that in order to treat people fairly, you can't treat everybody the same. And as People with disabilities know that um, if you were to treat everybody the same, we would be quickly leaving out many kinds of people who can't get access to the facilities, for example, if we assume that everybody can climb stairs or if we assume that everybody can behave in one one fashion or, or another. So this means that an employer, specifically here, may be required to do something about their rules and regulations may be required to alter their rules and regulations in some fashion that will make it possible for a person with a disability, and in this case, a substance dependency disability, to get to work, to do their work. So it's, it you know, and that's a very general kind of statement, isn't, isn't it? Oh, um, for
4: sure,
3: for sure.
1: So... You know, th- this this is a very difficult issue, and it's becoming perhaps slightly more difficult as we become more and more aware of this kind uh, of disability.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and at Danielle, we always get wondering, because we hear it as disabled people, hey, are you going to disclose before you go for the interview? Are you going to this, that, the other thing, because right. we think I'm behind the gun. If I do that, they're going to just, well, nice that you came. out. Oh, see you later. Don't let the door hit you in the back. That's, that's the paranoia. That's the belief, unfortunately, many of us are led to. But in the case of substance dependency, does that employee have to disclose that to the employer?
1: And this is a a, a really interesting question. Without a, a as always, without a, a, an absolute yes or no, yes. if an employer suspects that the employee is not able to perform his or her work, isn't uh, you know doing what is expected that, that they will do, the employee may benefit by disclosing why. Um, it if you disclose a disability, it puts you in line for some kind of accommodation if an employer feels that you are just you know not doing your work because you don't feel like it and you're just uh, you know an awful kind of employee they can let you go um you know goodbye see ya you know this you you signed on to do job x you're not doing it you know we we can't keep you around if the person discloses that the reason they're unable or uh, you know, haven't haven't done the work that they're expected to do is because of a disability, and in this case, particularly a, a substance abuse uh, disorder, then the employee employer uh, um, really needs to look at what can they do to accommodate that disability.
4: And I think, too, Danielle, like when we look at, you know, a substance abuse, abuse disorder, that comes with like a stereotype of a a way that a person's going to be a way that a person's going to act yeah. because of their substance abuse and i think in this case that's sort of why it might be challenging for people to disclose that because they know that while well, this comes with you know a stereotype that i may not be able to do a b or c and, and it's less so when it's somebody who's coming in with cerebral palsy and just saying i want to work you know that that yeah. comes with its own tag as well but if we talk about um, some of the ways that an employee can accommodate, um, uh, sorry, if we can talk about some of the ways that an employee, an employer can accommodate an employee with this kind of uh, disorder, how can they do that?
1: Well, that's a really good question, and it, you know, the thing about uh, reasonable accommodation is it takes creativity, and there isn't. One answer that suits every em- employer and employee. So it really depends upon the workplace, what the job is, the person is expected to be to be doing. But uh, you know, here here's a list of some of the things that an employer might consider. They might be able to tolerate absences. Um, it depends on the work. Some people may be able to work from home, as an example. Um, they may be able to tolerate excessive absenteeism. Somebody who doesn't show up. Um, On Mondays, maybe they can, you know, if depending upon the kind of work uh, be able to work later at a certain other day, they might be permitting them time off for treatment programs, they may be providing them an employee assistance program, which is often what a larger employer is able to do an employer uh, whose insurance provides for a situation where the employee can be given uh, an assistance program. Uh, you know, and you can't uh, provide somebody with an assistance program unless they've come forward and said, I, I have a problem or I have a disability. Um, you know, there are people who are addicted to certain substances whose work does not suffer. You know, they're right. fine at work. It may be other places where where they're having problems. If they're fine at work, then it's nobody's business Um But if the employer, for example, is a kind of employer that does drug testing on a regular basis or alcohol, you know, if if you're driving a truck, um, you know, maybe they can be permitted a certain number of relapses, uh, you know, a few times. Um, And maybe the employer can say, you know, we're going to help you by getting you counseling. It may not work the first time because we know that this is definitely part of the issue. Can the employer then say, you know, well, Let's go back to this and see if we can, if the counseling uh, can be repeated. Is it more likely to work the third, fourth, fifth time? Again, it depends upon the workplace and the employee, and and you know what an employer ca- can tolerate. One of the questions that um, has been asked is, what if an employee is stealing from an employer in order to to facilitate their their habit? You know, sh- should an employer have to put up with having things stolen from the workplace and that's not again you don't have a yes or no answer depends is 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 the answer you know what are they stealing how how big a problem is it do you need to call the police um that's right. that's another issue
3: because one would argue that's a crime just like you said a while yes. ago about gambling, for example, that may not affect the person's job. They may not be, you know, needing to steal money. They may show up to work. They may have a habit. They may be losing money. They may be living in their car because of the habit. But if they're showing up to work and doing the job, it's when it interferes. So that's very fascinating. Um, And like you say, not black and white. What are one of the most difficult issues facing people with substance uh, dependency when it comes to this?
1: Well, when they're trying stig- to seek that accommodation, is one of the is one of the biggest right. ones. You know, um, you know, very few people are comfortable coming forward and saying, "I, I have a problem. This is what my problem is. Can, can you help me?" Um, the first thing that most workplaces are going to want to do is, you know, try to talk somebody in into getting better, in into you know, getting uh, help to stop being addicted to whatever it is that they're addicted to. But there's such a stigma, you know, people will say, um, do you really wanna have somebody in your workplace who has this particular issue? It is a bona fide disability. It is listed among the, you know, the human rights requirements for accommodation for disability. Um, and yet, you know, because it is what some people might call an acquired disability, very often the person with that disability is blamed. Um, it's your own fault that you have this disability and therefore, you know, why should I do anything for you? And yet there is this obligation under law. Um, there are certain kinds of jobs, as an example, being a lawyer, where you are not permitted to, uh, to, to have this kind of disability. If, if you are reported... Uh, as having a, uh, let's say, an alcohol problem, um, and you are known to, uh, you know, to be impaired when you're dealing with your clients, or if you show up impaired to court, um, you will probably lose your accreditation to act as a lawyer. So, you know, you're not going to want to leap forward and tell people that you have this problem, um, if you suspect that it could be the end of your your career. So, you know, these are really difficult situations. If somebody comes forward early and is able to, um, you know, be brought into some kind of uh, a program that can help them to deal with their their substance abuse issue, uh, they're more likely to be able to, to continue their career. And yet, there's this push-pull kind of situation where, you know, you're hoping that nobody notices because you're afraid you will lose your your career. Um, and yet, if you don't come forward, you could lose your career.
3: Right, because you, you're you coming forward at least saying, I have a problem. Um, and that can get you that support from your your workplace, depending on, of course, what you're doing. If you're working heavy equipment, obviously. That's right. Maybe drinking or, or, or narcotics are not the kind of thing you're going to be able to do um but again going back on acquired if someone has an injury loses their hearing losing their vision again we know hey you can't discriminate against that person it's incumbent upon the workplace whether they were there or looking for work to be supportive
1: that's right and they and to accommodate that disability there is really no difference in law between a an acquired disability and an inherent disability it's a disability right. On um, yeah. how one accommodates various disabilities. Again, people have to be creative. They have to be thoughtful, and they have to be kind. You know, you 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 don't look at your employee if you're an employer as the adversary. You look at right. this as a person. You've you know you you've uh, invested in their training, as an example. You want them to stay. Presumably, they've they've done good work at a certain point, and you want to make sure that they get to live the kind of life that that is is worth living for them. How do you help It's hard Danielle that?
3: because so many people have looked at certain well they certainly would look at some of this as not a disability, an That's ugly right. bad habit or whatever you mm-hmm. might want to call it and it's it's hard I'm sure for so many places where people don't even have a clue that hey man legally you have to do yeah. what you can to work with this person when they disclose to you.
1: That's right. And you know I think that many different um, uh, employees who don't really know their obligations under law would say, uh-uh, I, I can't have somebody like that working for me. Um, there's too great a liability. Well, you need to find out what are the liabilities. Are there liabilities? And what are your liabilities if you don't accommodate? Because those are also a- at issue. You know, There, there are penalties for violating uh, human rights codes. Um, and you don't want to do that. Again, part of it's being kind, but part of it is, is just you know a, 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 you're obliged by law to, to deal with a situation in a way that looks at, uh, at discrimination. You know, how do we avoid discriminating against people? You know, you you as again as I said, your duty to accommodate as an employer um, doesn't mean that you treat everybody exactly the same. You really do need to think about what each individual needs what each employment place workplace needs and how do you work around those different things so that you can come together it's a it's a very difficult issue
4: it really goes back to your original point of it depends and i know you hear the people that will say yeah but they're they're doing you know they're doing drugs they're it's their own choice yeah you do hear that but if If you want to accommodate and you're willing to, you can. There's certain situations, as we've said, that you just can't do it. But there are certain ones. Does it really affect the output of this person? And I think sometimes we look at them with this rose-colored glasses that says, well, yeah, but because of this, this is who you are, which is not always the case, Danielle. And I think this topic has brought light to this for sure. Danielle, thank you so much. Appreciate the topic. Always gets us thinking on a Monday to begin our week.
1: Thank you, Brock. Nice to see you, Kelly, as well. Have a good week.
4: You as well. Danielle McLaughlin brings us Know Your Rights on Mondays. She will be back next Monday at this time for another What We Know will be a fascinating discussion.
3: So Brock and I will tell you a little bit about what's coming up on this program tomorrow when we return in two minutes on the other side of the break. We'll see what's going on. Brock will deliver to us what the plans are for Now at Day Brown. They're on at 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. And what else we got for you? Oh, don't forget the closing moment. I'll give you a hint. Get ready to play a little flag football, would you? We'll be right back.
2: We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break.
3: Mentioned to you earlier in the program, check out the podcast. Whenever you get a chance, subscribe using your favorite podcast platform and enjoy Rumya and, uh, what's the show called? Kelly and Rumya at your leisure, ladies and gentlemen. While you're in there, give us a rating and review. Maybe even teach me how to say the name of the show. Whatever you do, whatever way you want to consume the show, we appreciate whether it's one of the repeats or live here at 2 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV and on AMI-audio, reminding you that AMI-audio will run the show two hours later starting next Monday, not live with us at 2. They'll they'll pick up the ball at 4 o'clock and and run the show 4 o'clock Eastern time starting next Monday. The gang over at Now with Dave Brown, their program comes your way on AMI-tv at 9 a.m. in the morning. Brock?
4: A new Paula will talk about accessible travel and the need for centralized resource for people with disabilities requesting information when traveling and getting on board as well. Uh, Fat Bear Week was earlier this month. Lawrence Gunther will talk about his uh, things that he's done to give you some basic information on how to protect yourself from a bear. So that will be an interesting conversation. And, of course, it's Tuesday. That means it's the weekly news quiz. I will be joining the panel along with Elizabeth Moeller and Karen McKay and test our knowledge on the news and events from this week. And my goal, Kelly, is I want to get more than one point.
3: Karen McKay on it, too. Awesome. What a nice, nice different kind of group on there. Uh, Good luck to you, Brock. Uh, Hopefully the ladies will uh, give you a good battle and maybe you'll score two points. Our closing moment today, folks, on the program. Let's get to that because need some thoughts from Brock on this one. Flag football football has long been a staple in uh, gym classes in the U.S. Now it's hitting the big time. It'll be an Olympic sport at the 2028 Los Angeles Summer Games. Former NFL tight end Rob Gonkrowski says, hopefully there's no trials and they'll just accept me, but he's in for playing. <laughs> he's going for flag football. If there's flag football in those Olympics in 2028, are you surprised at this?
4: Well, I'm actually surprised that the whole, if they'll accept me, I, I, you know, that's kind of funny to me, to me, if Rob Gronkowski wants to play, you know, flag football for the U.S. team, he's a shoe-in, he's won a bunch of Super Bowls. I hear you that yeah. like football a little different, but I would think that he would be pretty well-issued.
3: I thought it would be younger people. Uh, you know, no tackling in this sport, no whacking, no smacking into each other. Players just try to pull one of the flags attached to the ball carrier's belt, yank it away. It's not the kind of sport that can get about 100,000 into the Rose Bowl yet, but Coach Rob Dixon, he believes it could be down the road. Rob Dixon, um, he feels, uh, number one, it's exciting, right? It's fast, it's high flying, I can see these points for sure, and very, very fast pace, kind of like Canadian football, right? uh it does require an elite level of game knowledge and football iq and of course, you're thinking that, Brock, because with that high level of athleticism that's needed, there's a lot of speed and a lot of
4: agility to get that flag away. You'd have to have a lot of speed. You know, it's, it would be a different game, and that's sort of where I lean into. Maybe Rob would have to learn a little bit, but I think he's also got the speed covered. It would be interesting to see, like, you know, you'd have to get the flag fully away. Like, it wouldn't be one of those grab on and get it away a little bit. Like, it's fully off the Velcro or however it's attached. So, very, very fascinating, and I look forward to seeing how that shapes up.
3: I remember my dad coaching flag football, so my first life experience. I was pretty young, uh, and and I always thought that. I thought, gosh, you you can't be tackling anyone. Um, Rob Dixon is the head coach of the girls' varsity team flag football team at Frederick High School in Frederick, Frederick, Maryland. Um, I think that other angle that as we talk about with soccer and so many sports with you have your your male side, your female side, uh, same thing here. You can have female teams, you can have male teams and each country be well represented. Uh, I believe now, again, I can't quite remember the date. The last time flag football was in the Olympics was, I think, 1934. Coming up on tomorrow's program, ladies and gentlemen, our nutrition segment will be here with Julia Caranches, and we're going to talk about vitamin C,
4: what it's good for, and what foods we can find it in. That was my intro, Kelly, so I just got to find out what you're doing. Uh, the, the, the NBA season officially tips off. Tomorrow we speak with Toro- about the Toronto Raptors and Randy Urban tomorrow from NBA TV.
3: uh, that'll be a lot of good conversation with Randy Urban. Ramya is to be back to the show tomorrow, so we'll get into that and many good conversations. Thanks, Brock. We'll see you later. We're waving at you, folks.
8: Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us